Okay, this morning we want to continue speaking on 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be speaking at beginning at verses 4 and 5. But as we begin this study, let me ask this question. What is the most cherished thing in your life? What do you value as the most important item that you will go to any length to protect? Do you have something? Is there something in your life that you will go to any length to protect because you cherish it that much? Think about that for a minute as we read our text. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name and we pray, Lord, that this message would become alive to us today, that it would be alive as you are. Help us, Father, to hear what you would have us to hear, to speak what you would have us to speak and apply it in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter starts this passage off and he says, as you come to him, Think about that for a minute. As you come to him, do you realize that we have the responsibility to make the first step towards Christ? We, we sang about a little bit about when you're going to the mountain, and we use that kind of as our introduction to prayer today. But we have the responsibility to come to Christ because he's already called us. Just so you know that. He's already done the work for us. Now we have the responsibility to make the step toward him. And he is waiting and willing to respond as we make the step towards him. That's pretty significant that we recognize that this morning. That by him calling you first, by him dying on the cross for you, by him calling out through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's putting the ball back in our court to respond. Are we going to take the step? It's our responsibility to ask. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. We have to take the step. Let me ask you, let me, let me take this in context now. Whatever you cherish, you protect. Whatever it is that you cherish, you protect, right? So our relationship with Christ, are you coming to him in your relationship? Are you cherishing him enough that you're willing to protect that enough and are you willing to take the steps toward him? Is your relationship with Jesus worth protecting? Let me ask it that way. Is your relationship with Jesus worth protecting? The relationship we have with Christ, in case you don't know it, is the most precious and the most important thing in our life. And if you have any question about that, then I want you to think ahead about 100 years from now. Think ahead about 100 years from now. And realize then that if you have protected this relationship with Christ, where you will be seated, where you will be standing, versus where will it be if you don't protect it. I think Rip's message that he brought to us is right about that, Boga. Serious. 
Is your relationship with Christ that serious to you that you're willing to protect it? There's many things in this world that would vie for your, protect, for your attention. There's many things that are given to us by the enemy and just by the world and just by our own flesh that would distract us. Is your relationship with the Lord that important to you that you're willing to protect it? You're willing to go any, to any level, that you're willing to come to him as a way of protecting it? Is Jesus, is Jesus so important to you that you're willing to protect that relationship? I pray that it is. As we continue in the study, it will help you if you can just put that in perspective. What is your relationship with the Lord like and how much are you willing to give to protect it? As we continue on, it says, as you come to him, the living stone. Now, Peter continues on with this illustration and he's teaching of what it means to be a stone. A stone. A living stone. Now, that doesn't make any sense. Stones don't live. Have any, has anybody seen a stone live? How many, you've had a, how many here have ever had a conversation with a stone when you were sober? <laughs> or not high on drugs? But why a living stone? Why doesn't he say a living flower that opens up and blossoms to the Lord in all of its beauty so that God and all people can see the beauty of the blossom? Or why doesn't he say a living eagle that can fly and soar over the troubles of this world that when things get so bad, you just mount up on wings as an eagle and you fly over the problems? Doesn't that sound so much more realistic? Can't we so much more associate with a living eagle than a living stone? But he clearly says, a stone. People would be coming to a living stone, and that stone, by the way, is with a capital S, okay? As we look further into Scripture, that we're going to see that Christ was referred to as a rock. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. This is Paul speaking to the Corinthians. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. He is the living stone. Now, this is reference to Exodus when the Israelites were wandering in the desert and they were thirsty and they were in a barren, dry land and they needed water. So the Lord answered their prayer. Exodus chapter 17, verse 5 and 6. The Lord answered Moses, Go out in front of the people Take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders. Historically, Jesus was prophesied as the rock of salvation in this example. Moses was to strike the rock. That's symbolic of Christ being stricken on the cross. And because his was, he was stricken for us, we have the nourishment of the water 
The living water that flows out of that rock, Jesus Christ, is the water that you and I drink and that gives us eternal life. But it flowed out of the rock of Christ. Jesus is the living stone with the emphasis on living. And I want to emphasize today through this whole message the the word living because that is the thing that separates us from any other faith. Any other religion is that we have a relationship with a living God. Think about this. Your relationship with Jesus is because and only because he's alive. If he died and never came back to life, then you don't have a relationship with a dead item. You don't have a relationship with a dead person anymore. The only relationship you have is with living people. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ today because he's alive. And that, and that symbolically they say that he is a living rock means that he is a rock of stability. How many rocks? This is a big rock. This is not just a little stone that you can kick over with your foot. This is not a pebble. You're going to see in a minute that we are the pebbles, but he is the rock that is, stabi- that is stable, never moving, never changing, never compromising, never giving in to the pressures of this world. He is a rock of stability, a rock of life. Peter also recognized Jesus as the Messiah. And Jesus then stated that the rock, that the church would be built upon the rock as Peter identified it. Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. (laughs) The son of the what God? The living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I will, and I tell you that, tell you, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not, the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now the rock is not Peter. Don't get confused here. The rock is what? The rock is the truth of the living stone. The rock is the truth of who Jesus Christ is. So what he's saying here is that you're Peter, and Peter means little stone, by the way. He changed his name from Simon to Peter, meaning little stone. And little stone, Peter, you are hewed out of the rock of Jesus Christ. And upon that rock, Jesus, I'm going to build my church, and you are going to be one of the builders, Peter. Yeah. In this passage, the truth is called the rock. And the church will be built on such a stable rock that the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it or stand in its way. Just so you know that, if you have a problem, understand that your source of strength is stronger than the problem. If you're in the church of Jesus Christ, if you are basing your life on the solid foundation of this living stone, of the living rock, that, that, that problem that's facing you will not prevail against you. The church of Jesus Christ is built on a rock that never moves, never changes to be politically correct, never compromises for the elite at the expense of the despised. Never. It is the rock. It is stable. It is unmoving. It is ever giving hope to the hopeless. Just so you know that, I don't care how depressed, how down you become, you put your faith in the living stone, in the living rock of Jesus Christ, and he will be there for you because that's his promise. Yeah. 
It's, un, it's stable, it's unmoving, it's ever there to give us confidence and hope and power. Now, doesn't it seem only so amazing and attractive that just the whole world is going to cling to it? Why wouldn't the whole world cling to this? Why wouldn't they? But let's continue to read the passage. If you go back to our text, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, chosen by God and precious to him. But why would something so good and so powerful be rejected by humans? We're going to talk about that next week. But, we, but I want you to know that right now we are going to talk about the fact that, he's, that, that this living stone is precious to God. Precious to God. God loves Jesus, and Jesus is precious to him. Now, I need some help here. Can you think of any reasons why Jesus would be precious to God? Can somebody give me some reasons? Why is Jesus precious to to his father. So tell me some reasons. Because why? Because he's an obedient son. Anyone else? Any other reasons? He's his only son. He what? He loved him. Jesus loved his father. He was the way to redeem us. Yeah. You're getting ahead of me, brother. But we're precious to him. We are precious to him. Andrea said it, that Jesus was obedient to hear and speak whatever God the Father told him. John chapter 12, starting at verse 49, Jesus is speaking, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. An obedient son, precious, precious to him because Jesus was obedient. Jesus did nothing on his own. He, he could have. He had the right to. He certainly had the power to. But he chose to be obedient because that's what perfection is, is obedient. Plus, it gives us a great example to live by. He was also a willing sacrifice to accomplish the plan of salvation to what Scott was saying, that he was going to be obedient to the plan that God had put together. John chapter 10, verse 17. The reason my father loves me or that he, I'm precious to him, Jesus is saying, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus was willing to be that sacrifice. And here's something else that I think is really important, is that Jesus was totally 100% dependent upon his father. He never did anything contrary to what his father told him to do. 100% dependent. Not 
We never saw Jesus stray one time from doing the will of his Father. 100%. John 5.19, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Talk about being in step. Talk about being in unity. These are just some examples of Christ's perfection in obedience and devotion to his Father. Just some reasons why he was so precious to God the Father. So it only makes sense then that Jesus would be precious to his Father and be favored like that. And can I say here that this is also what's expected of us? If we're going to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, that we would be in the same mold and the same mindset of Jesus. If Jesus was precious to God because of his loyalty and because of his obedience, then shouldn't we be as well? Think about this for a minute. Shouldn't we be obedient then, just like Jesus was, to do only what God the Father says? Shouldn't we also be willing to be that sacrifice? See, Jesus became the sacrifice of all sacrifices, but yet we are to be a willing sacrifice as well. We have things in our life that we need to give up. We need to sacrifice. We need to be a willing, living sacrifice. If we're going to be precious to God, as Scott said we are, and we are, then we need to be totally dependent on God for our daily lives, not 95% dependent. No, we need to be 100% dependent like Jesus was. Dependent on that Father God is going to provide my every need, no matter what my situation is. You see, the devil will somehow get us to think that we can be different than Jesus and still be precious to the Father. And this is the way the devil will twist things up. How in the world can we think that God would favor us and hold us precious if we aren't in our heart's intention I'm not saying perfection because I know that we're not perfect and I don't want to put that burden on anybody to be perfect, but I want to put that burden on our heart to have the same heart that Jesus had to be loyal and to be obedient to his Father. Somehow we can live in this life the way we want to live. We can watch the TV shows we want to watch. We can go where we want to go. We can eat and drink what we want to eat and drink. We can mingle with who we want to eat and mingle with and do all the things of this world and not really be different but yet still be precious to God. I don't see how that works, do you? Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't live the way he wanted to live and then still be precious to his Father. The only way Jesus was precious to his Father was because he was totally 100% obedient and diligent to obey his Father. So I'm just asking us the question, can we just take our mind's eye for a minute and just ask ourselves, how can I not be like Christ and still be precious to the Father. I can't do it. And so don't let the devil tell you that you can, because let me tell you, you can't. And if you really care about this, if this is bolga, if this is bolga, if this is serious, then you have to recognize that if you want Jesus Christ to tell, to tell you, well done, thou good and faithful, enter into your Father's kingdom, then you have to live it now. Bolga! This is serious stuff, guys. This is it. I mean, we can't be so enthralled with the world to think that we can get sucked in over here in the world 
and still be precious to God over here when really I'm not precious to God anymore. Because if I'm not lining up with God's word, then in all honesty, what you are is that you're an enemy of God. You just have to understand what it is. A friend of the world is an enemy of God. And if we become friendly to the world, then we become an enemy of God, and therefore we are not precious in His sight. Yeah. Okay. Verse 5. Let's continue on. Like living stones... We are being built into a spiritual house. All true followers of Christ are hewed or are carved out of the living stone with a capital S. We are little stones. We are little pebbles, alive little pebbles, little stones, and we are being built into a spiritual house. One upon another, meaning that I'm going to build on you and you're going to build on your neighbor, and you're going to build on them, and we're all going to be built on each other, and together we're going to be a spiritual house. No stone in itself is a house. But when I put multiple stones together, we become a house. We become the house of God. One living stone on another becomes the living church. Ephesians chapter 2, 19 through 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together one stone upon another, we're being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives. There's that word, lives by His Spirit. So stone upon stone, we become a living dwelling place that God lives in. Now we could spend a lot of time here talking about the importance of belonging to a local church, which is very boga which is very serious. But I'm not going to spend the time here to talk about it because I don't want it to be self-serving. I don't want you to think that I'm trying to build up this church for my benefit. But I want you to understand the significance of being a part of a local church. We must be built upon stones that are living like we're living if we're going to be part of a living dwelling place for God. The dwelling place is not in a single stone. It is in a combination of stones that come together to build the house. Let me just say it this way. The church was not Peter's idea. The church was the idea of Jesus. It was God's idea. The church is the idea of God our Father and Jesus Christ. And if it's their idea, it must be a good idea. Therefore, if, it, if they thought it was good for us to come together and form a local body of believers to worship together and to teach the word together and to encourage each other and to support one another when we're down because we get down sometimes if that's his idea who am i to not agree with it who am i to say i don't need a church i can worship the god any place i'm at i can worship the god in a barn or in a field or on a tree stump or wherever and yes you can but not as a church you can't do it as a church there you're just doing it as your individual and i think you should do it as your individual but don't forsake coming together and I believe that this will be one of the measuring sticks that God uses on Judgment Day. I think he's going to ask us, how, how committed were you to your local church? It was my idea. Did you not think it was worthy? 
Did you not think it was worthwhile to be part of the body? I, I asked you to be a part of it. I, I, I wanted you to be built stone upon stone to be part of the local church. You didn't think it was a good idea? See, I, I don't want to be put into position then to have to try to defend this or anything else. So if God says it's a good idea, I think oh, it's only wise of us to agree with his idea. And I think that we should be committed and involved in a local church to support and encourage each other and to show the community what it is to be a loving body of Christ moving together. Let's go back to verse 5. Let's finish the sentence. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Boy, that's a mouthful. Peter's making the point that as living stones, we are, in to, be, we are to be in the same mindset of Jesus Christ, that we are to be built into a spiritual house to do what? To be holy priests. Get ready. What's the role of a priest in Scripture? The main role of the priest in the Old Testament Scripture was to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people and to be a communicator between the people and God. Once a year, the priest was to offer animal sacrifices to atone for the sins of the people as they brought the animals. This was a very important person in the life of a Jewish person back then. The priest was a very important person because he was their way to God. He was their way to get to God the Father through the priest because they didn't have a way to do it. It was through the priest that they could communicate to God. And this priest went through some very serious rituals once a year to perfect himself so that he could go into the Holy of Holies and not be stricken dead. He would go in once a year over the Passover to present sacrifices for the people to atone for their sins for that past year. One commentary says this, the whole priestly system of the Jews was typical. It was typical in this way. It was a shadow of which the, of which the body of, is Christ. Christ was the priest. The priests all prefigured the great priest who offered Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins once for all. So the priests here in the Old Testament um, strategy, the Old Testament life, was a forerunner of Jesus ultimately as Jesus would be the great high priest that offered himself as a sacrifice once and for all. And then we're going to see that the priests are also forerunners of our role as a priest in the kingdom of God as well. The power of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ tore the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place or the holy of holies. Let's go back for a moment to that crucifixion day. Go back in your mind's eye to what it must have been like that, that afternoon. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been hanging on the cross for a number of hours by now. Matthew chapter 27, verse 50 says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. He said, It is finished. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split. And then it goes on to give a whole other description of many other things. So often, we overlook the, in, the purpose, or we overlook the significance of this curtain being torn. Now, this curtain was a large curtain. It measured 60 feet tall. 
six stories tall, 30 feet wide, and four inches thick. It's the thickness of this Bible. Maybe a little thicker. 60 feet tall, 30 feet wide, huge. And it separated the holy from the most holy, right? And it was torn, just like this, torn. Tear this, tear, tear, tear a phone book. It was torn top to bottom. Now, what's so significant about that? What's so significant, the fact that it was torn from the top to the bottom? God had, had no man could reach up 60 feet and tear the curtain. Potentially, we could have tore it from the bottom up. We could have tore it. Maybe you get some guys, you can tear phone books if you do the right strategy. You can tear it and you can rip it apart. But this curtain was torn top to bottom. Jesus' death on the cross made it possible for every man, woman, and child to be a spiritual priest, to come into the Holy of Holies because he tore the curtain. He gives us the ability to go into that holy place alone, ourselves, whenever we want to. That's pretty significant. We no longer need the sacrifices or the services of a temple priest to be our mediator between our, me and God. Jesus and I have this ability now to have a relationship. He forgave me of my sin. I receive it, and when I receive it, I become a holy priest. I now have the ability to come into the holy of holies. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 27. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, talking about Jesus, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Jesus became the sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 11 and 12. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away the sins. But when this priest, Jesus Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. His job was done. He completed it. He sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus became the sacrifice that ended all sacrifices. So therefore, we do not have to bring a physical sacrifice any longer. There, are, there is no need for blood sacrifices any longer in the kingdom. Amen. Then the most important aspect of that day is that Jesus didn't stay dead. <laughs> the most important aspect of that day is that three days later, he arose, and now we are stressing that this rock of our salvation is alive again. It's a living stone. It's a living rock. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. One more comment on what it means to be a holy priesthood. Understand that we are considered priests today. You and I are priests in the kingdom of God. Revelation 5.10, you have made them to be kingdom, to be a kingdom and priests, that's who's talking about us now, to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. So we now are considered to be holy priests. So what does that mean? What does that mean? The Old Testament priests, they were to live in the world over 11 months of the year. They lived among the people. One month a year, one season a year, they became the high priest, was selected to become the priest to go into the Holy of Holies. Yet they were to live separated lives from the world and not to be like everyone else in that period of living. 
We now, listen, we are priests, and we are exactly intended to do the same thing. We have to live in the world, but we have to be set apart. We cannot be a part of the worldly system and still be a priest of the Most High. We cannot be a part of the worldly system and still be a holy priest before God. We need to see that. We need to understand that our responsibilities are to be holy above all things, that we are to be set apart, that we are not to be part of this worldly system, first of all, to be precious to God, and then secondly, to be a holy priest. We have to see ourselves as a different identity. What does this mean? Does this sit well to you today or does this challenge us? Does this challenge us at all? As a holy priest, we are to have, we have immediate and direct access to God the Father, but we're also obligated, just as the Old Testament priests were, to live holy and set-apart lives, to be untarnished by the ugliness of sin and what that means. It's unfortunate today that many Christians have lost the fear of what it means to be a holy priest. We've lost the fear. We've become so familiar with the life of Christianity that we think we can be like anybody else, everybody else, but still be holy. No, we can't be that way, folks. Can I just tell you, you cannot be like the world and be holy. You have to be above it, not in your own power, not in your own ability, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. We must offer spiritual sacrifices like the priest did, but our sacrifices today are not physical anymore. They're spiritual So let's talk just a few minutes about what some of these sacrifices are. And I hope that as we go through this, that this isn't a list that this is not a list of do's and don'ts. I don't want to make Christianity a list of do's and don'ts. That's that's not what it's about at all. It's about a lifestyle of living pleasing to the Lord so we can be precious to Him. But being a priest today, some of these sacrifices that we need to be, we are to be living in obedience to the Word of God and not conforming to the world around us. Listen, so important. This is Boga. Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, keyword on living, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Are you truly conforming your minds to the things of God? We are to be continually praying and worshiping God. Hebrews chapter 13. Through Jesus, therefore, verse 15. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. We're to be praising God on a regular basis, not just in church, but on the job, on their way to the job, at home, with our families, wherever you're at. We're to be serving God with whole hearts and a willing spirit, doing the good things, the good works that would produce spiritual fruit. Man, this is important here, that we produce spiritual fruit. First Chronicles, Old Testament passage, Old First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9, 9 and 10, And you, my son Solomon... Acknowledge the God of your Father and serve Him with a wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind. For the Lord, hear this, hear this, for the Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. How many thoughts does He understand? How many hearts does He search? 
If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house as the sanctuary. So be strong and do the work. (laughs) Be serious about this. Come on, folks. Be serious about the responsibility God has given us to build the house. A commentary in this passage says, Acknowledging God means recognizing God's leadership, depending on God's guidance, and serving God's purposes. Did you hear that? Recognizing his leadership, depending on God's guidance, and serving God's purposes. First, we recognize with our mind. Secondly, we depend on him. And then thirdly, we actually do it with wholehearted devotion and with a willing mind and then taking action to accomplish the task. Let me ask you the question. Is your life bent to please the flesh man? Or can you truly take joy and pleasure in offering yourself as a spiritual sacrifice to the Lord? Hebrews 13, verse 15, again. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name, and then verse 16, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. You want to be precious to God? Then be a living sacrifice. Then be willing, be obedient. The fruit of a person that openly professes the name of Christ is seen by people in your unselfish behavior. It's obvious if a person claims to to have an active relationship with the Lord and yet won't willingly and joyously give to people or be open for people, then the fruit is obvious. People see fruit. They see it very clearly. It's not hard to see the fruit of a fruit tree. You just go and pick it and you taste it. And if it's from an apple tree, it better not taste like an orange. Jackie, if you'd come, we'll conclude. You know, it's hard to find stopping points, just so you know, in some of these messages. We could go on a long time, but we're not going to. So here's a challenge that I have for you today. Are you protecting the relationship you have established with Jesus? Are you protecting it? Is it important to you, really? Now, think, think this thing through because the answer, the obvious answer is yes, I'm protecting it, Mike. But let me ask you, how are you doing it? How are you protecting it? What are you watching on TV? What books are you reading? What jokes are you laughing at? What jokes are you telling? Who are, who's your best friend? How do you treat your wife? How do you treat your husband? Are you protecting the relationship you've had with Jesus or not? Are you protecting it? Because every one of these things will either protect it or will tear it down. I'm making the assumption that you're already saved this morning for the most part and have a relationship with Jesus. And so the questions I have is how much are you cherishing it? How important is it to you that it's alive and growing? (laughs) Not just that you can say that I go to church. No, but your relationship with Jesus is alive. It's alive. You have joy because of it. You have peace because you have a relationship with the living God. 
What are you doing to make sure that it stays that way? What are you doing to maintain it? Do you see yourself today as a living stone in the building of the church? Do you see yourself as important in this role of being a church member, a church participant, a church goer, being a part of the church? Do you see yourself significant in that? It is the dwelling place of God. Are you active in the place that God has placed you to maintain? Are you active in the place? At the very beginning of the service, we said, you came in and you are sitting in a chair that nobody else could sit in. You are the only person that can sit in that chair. But are you active in it? Are you participating in it? See, when you do these things, what you're doing is that you're protecting your relationship with Jesus. Because soon, if you don't protect it, naturally it's going to decline. Naturally it's going to wane. Naturally the fervor, the excitement, the passion is going to wane. Because that's the way we humans are. We get something new for a while and we cherish it. Get that new car smell. And it's so nice. I vacuum it. I keep it so clean. But I have it a few months. And all of a sudden, I, the, the smell's gone. And there's dirt on the floor. And I junk in the back seat. I never would have allowed that to happen when the car was new. But yet, how often, how, way, how are we protecting our relationship with Jesus? Let's pray. Father, Lord, what am I doing today? What am I doing to protect the relationship? Father, Jesus was precious to you. Is he precious to me? Is Jesus really precious to me like he's precious to you? There's going to come a day when you're going to look at me and you're going to say, Mike, what did you do with my son? What did you do with him? Did you hold him to be precious? Did you protect him? Did you protect him in front of your friends? Did you protect him in front of your job? Did you place him above all things? Did you cherish him the most of all things? Or did he become just another guy, a form of religion? Father, I pray right now that you dissect our hearts that you come in, Holy Spirit, and you just dissect our hearts the only way that you can in truth and in honesty and that we would truly recognize the significance, the importance, the boga, the seriousness of what it means to protect the relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, as your, as your eyes are closed this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. If there is anyone here this morning that has never accepted Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ, would you just lift your hand and just give me a look, and I'll pray with you after the service, and we'll just accept Jesus. All right? Now, the other question is, what are you doing to protect it? Are you really working your life to protect that relationship? What do you need to do to change? This is serious. This is not a time to rush through. This is a time to dwell in this for a moment and let this settle into our heart because I know that as soon as you walk in a parking lot, life takes over again. And you're out of this mode. So this is a very serious time of self-evaluation 
Because in a hundred years from now, this will be the most important thing you've ever done if you're not doing it on a regular basis. This is very serious. We're going to sing the song that Jackie's playing and the team is playing. And I just want to open the altars this morning. If you need help in this, if you want to come up and say, Father, I need some help here. I need to protect you better than I am. I would just open the altars. You can come up. You can pray. I'll pray with you. Others will pray with you. And we're just going to really let this settle in now. And we're just not going to let it be a message that comes in, start for a little while, and then forget about it. We're going to process it. Amen. Jackie, let's sing. The altars are open. Stand with me, if you will, please. You know, I just feel in my heart this morning that this message is for all of us today. There's not one person that can walk out of this service and say, that wasn't for me, including myself. This morning, I just cannot help but stress it. Rip, your, your word to us was right on. We need to be serious about our relationship with Jesus. I really believe in our heart today that the problem that we have in our churches here today is that we don't understand the serious significance of protecting this relationship with Jesus. We're too easy to let it go. We don't cherish it enough. I want to sing the song again, and I really want to challenge your heart this morning. I want to put the ball in your court this morning. It is not my responsibility anymore. I am just, I'm just giving the message that the Lord has laid in my heart to give, and now the Holy Spirit will do the work. If you need any help in this, then don't leave this place without coming and asking. Make the first step. Climb the mountain, and His mercies will flow on you, but you have to make the step.